Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Elisa Unfilter podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, February the 16th. Happy Love Day to everyone. This past Monday, I hope that you are feeling the love and welcoming love into your life, finding moments of joy, finding those magical moments in the day the things that we are conditioned not to see anymore, not to feel as much. Our attention is being pulled in so many difficult directions. And even just to stop and take a breath and really feel how just breathing is is such a pleasure. It feels so good in your body to do breath work and to quiet the noise and to just sit and be with yourself because you are a beautiful and special and magical being. Okay? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for choosing this particular episode. This is a little bit of a heavier episode, I have to say. I mean, I have, I, I've been struggling to... Uh, hold back on some of the um, situations that are going on in the world. And today is has today's topic has been highly, highly, highly requested by you on Instagram, through email, even friends who uh, have my personal number have been like texting me <laughs> because y'all are feeling emotional these days, myself included, myself included. A lot of um, emotional management and trying to put things into perspective and, and trying, a lot of people are trying to understand what the fuck is actually going on here. So so today I, I'm choosing to discuss or talk about, I mean, this is a discussion. I know that you know, this is a podcast, it's a one-sided discussion, but I would love to hear your opinions on this as always. I want to talk about emotions, about cultural conditioning, conditioned emotions, and something that's this phenomenon that's happening within uh, the stratosphere that I live in, my culture, my country, my group of friends, which is binary thinking, binary thought processes. And of course, emotions are heavy. Emotions are heavy. And we as a collective, myself included, are having a very challenging time discerning what's happening to us emotionally. And then the trickle effect into our mental and physical health and and wellness, our well-being. Like who feels fresh (laughs) after they listen to the news or they um, even even participate in society these days? Who feels super safe and fresh and happy and good in all aspects of their life right now? It's it's not really, it's not, people aren't really feeling safe. 
And if you live in Canada, this is particularly high. There's a lot going on that's affecting the collective wellness. And I know other parts of the world are continuing to experience this too, unprecedented times. Like I'm, I'm bringing that word back because we are still in unprecedented times. We don't feel safe. There's nothing out there that makes us feel safe aside from our beliefs and the narratives that we continue to expose ourselves to that gives us this sense of safety. And through that seeking of narrative, we are becoming more and more binary with our opinions. This means we're becoming more black and white with our thought processes. If you aren't with me, you are against me. All right, there's no middle ground. There's no centralized thought. There's no more critical thinking. Critical thinking is becoming less and less common. And this is this is a very scary ideology. It, it actually scares me. It scares me. And today's show is hopefully going to help you to discern the dissonance that's occurring in your mind. In other words, to recognize that you have attached meaning to certain beliefs that are now becoming contradictory. And now you're in survival mode, trying to protect your sense of self and what you think you know. And this is happening across the board, myself included. Binary thinking is actually a survival coping skill. (laughs) So uh, we feel safer thinking binary right now. And anyone or anything or like a new, um, I don't know, scientist or professional or doctor or proof or anything who challenges the way that we think is virtually challenging who we think we are. We can't separate what we think we know with who we are in this binary way of thinking. In other words, what you think you know and the knowledge you acquire gives you a sense of self and a sense of safety. Anything outside that narrative makes you feel unsafe. It gives you the perceived, there's perceived danger in opening the door to critical thinking and therefore you deny it. We are denying critical thinking. And this is the conditioned mind. We're going to deep dive into this a little bit. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, and of course, I'm human. And of course, I this is biased or opinionated or people might think it's biased or opinionated. So again, if you have any questions about this, please follow up. <laughs> um, because, you know, this last two years has been traumatic. This, this is also... The binary thought process is a collective survival coping skill. As we, as the collective, have been challenged in ways we've never been challenged before. And in the collective goal for herd immunity, let's just say, we all want herd immunity. However, we're going to get there. We have been herded into a binary culture. Okay, so in in trying to establish a goal, we are now herded into a collective belief system, all right? So if you're not believing in it, you're wrong. If you are believing in it, you're right. If you aren't believing in it, it has become normalized to cancel you, 
to put you on a second class or a second tier. You are now below the norm, all right? You are now not on the same level as the people who have done it right, all right? And this is a huge reason why we are more emotional, why your emotions are higher, why you cannot seem to control yourself during certain conversations with people, right? Everything seems to trigger. Why people are saying or thinking horrible things about loved ones and neighbors and people you used to be so close with and how even listening to another person's point of view can be so triggering. You know, hating, wishing death on others is becoming normalized. And it's, it's time that we pay attention to our role in this here. Let's zoom out. Let's back up a little bit here. You know, three years ago, if I told you you would be wishing death on someone or hating your best friend, would you believe me? <laughs> so just... Zoom out here and we're going to talk about cultural conditioning. Now, in an effort to to be clear, to have clarity, I don't believe that our emotions are political. And this is a tough one for many to discern because every single subject on the planet has become so heavily politicized that we think it's political. All right. But hating others or labeling them with hateful terms and wishing death on them is not political. All right. This is how our brain works. When we hear things over and over and over again, whether what we're hearing is true or not, it doesn't matter. What happens is we begin to think that it is. All right. So it doesn't matter. So let's let's come back into our bodies here, into this moment and get in touch with how we feel. Our emotions are not political. Our emotions are a psychological phenomena. They are complex. Emotions give us information about what we are going through. They are a a response to the world around us and are created by a combination of our thoughts, our feelings, and our experiences. Our experiences do matter here. I want to validate that. Emotions can and most often become automated or conditioned responses to our lives, okay? So what does that mean? It means that most people, when they are emotional, or emotions are triggered rather, it's not conscious at first anyways, okay? For example, uh, uh, you can can hear something that will trigger fear. You can smell something that will trigger joy, right? You're not thinking about it, it just happens. Thoughts, of course, will come later, as does the storytelling and, and, and the ways that we keep ourselves in the emotional state. That, that's, that comes afterwards. But emotions are deeply connected to our conditioned lives, to our conditioned beliefs. They are deep-seated, so much so that many people can become emotional in situations and they don't even know why. (laughs) Have you ever had that? You know, like you're crying and you're like, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why this is happening to me, right? I've certainly felt that. I know everyone listening has felt that whether you're aware of it or not. 
So emotions uh, are triggered in the subconscious. Emotions are not bad. They are, they're sort of like a, like a compass that point us to our wounds, to our fears, to our conditions, to our expectations, but also to love and joy and pleasure. And, and you know, those intuitive, those, those feelings of, of just being alive and how fucking magical that is. <laughs> we are emotional beings. There's no denying that. So it's natural for you to be emotional, especially during times of adversity. And I know there's a lot of, um, like, think any any parent listening here. When you, if you're not a parent, or okay, so emotions start to become programmed when we're children. Now we don't remember the programming. So parents listening, you you know, like when you're parenting your child and you're not wrong, however you parent, this is not up for discussion. You can do it however you want. However, pay attention to the emotions that you don't allow to happen or that you force down or that, um, you know, are okay to be expressed or that are emotions that are criticized. Like how do you criticize your child's emotions? How are you conditioning them to think and feel? You were conditioned to think and feel in the way that you are likely passing this on. And it's really interesting when you put it in that perspective to to hold space for how you have been conditioned to respond emotionally. Boys don't cry, for example. It's a big one. Suck it up. How many times have you been told that? Or or don't get too excited, but you know, like little things like that. It's in our words, it's in our language, it's in our domestication that we have be we have been trained to to be emotional. Our emotions have been trained. Okay? So today I want to talk about two things, two aspects of the emotional body that um, are wildly affecting our decision making and our overall wellness in today's climate. And I think hopefully, if you're listening and you're still listening, um, you will be validated a little bit or or potentially have a little bit more clarity. And, and my goal here is to sort of broaden the perspective. Okay, so the first thing is belonging versus authenticity. And I've talked about this in the past. It's a it's a subject that I will continue to talk about. And the second one is cancel culture and what's actually happening there in cancel culture. So let's begin with belonging versus authenticity. And as I'm speaking, I challenge you to give yourself a good think on how you're relating to what I'm saying. A good think. Open the mind a little bit. <laughs> Or not, close it off, up to you, I don't care. Uh, Because human beings, yes, you and all other humans, including myself, are hardwired to want two things in life. The first is to belong and the second is to be authentic. In a perfect world, every human would be able to express themselves freely and be loved for their nature. They would feel accepted and their sense of belonging to family and groups and institutions, teams, workplace, friend circles, tribes, uh, citizenships, you know, like in your country, you would not, it would not be challenged because of how they think or behave or believe. Okay. Unfortunately, (laughs) 
we've been conditioned in life to not behave this way. So we judge and we shame. You know, we push away and we cancel people, uh, which I'm going to talk about next. Um, And we create these little culture bubbles. Why do we do this? Because like, because we like other people. We naturally like other people who think like us. We don't like people who don't think like us. This is how belonging is formed. All right, you think like me, you are part of me. You don't think like me, you are not part of me. So what happens when our belonging is threatened because of who we are? What do you think happens? Because to be your authentic self, what happens to your authentic self when someone challenges your belonging? You don't think like me, you're out. What do you think is going to happen to you? Well, we abandon who we are. We abandon our truth so that we can belong. We hide our true feelings. To belong is to be accepted for who we are. And when we are not accepted, we will abandon who we are for the sake of belonging. We deny ourselves. And one of the the more modern um, proof of this is in the gay LGBTQ plus Uh, communities of so many people who are gay um, or not straight or non-binary whatever however they they feel and they are in their bodies that's not a heterosexual narrative they they deny the way that they feel in order to belong to a heterosexual world and this jar thank god has been broken open to an extent now where to be gay is to be equal you know i know there are some communities where they don't believe or feel that way however it has this has been we are culture we are beginning to become culturally conditioned to understand equality from a different perspective outside of the hetero norm all right However, people still who are gay still hide and shrink their light to belong, to feel uh, worthy of love or for the people around them. And it's an interesting thing that, you know, we all belong to the human race. You are human. Belonging is a perspective, like it's a perception of a conditioned belief. And in my practice, uh, I, in the practice of intuitive awareness and in coaching people, I've been observing many, many people experiencing dissonance within their culture bubbles. People are attacking people based on their beliefs. This is where the lines get blurred. And let me rephrase that actually. This is where the cultural conditioning in today's climate is allowing and normalizing blurred lines that we have we as a society have been cracking open these these cultural um bubbles all right and now we are creating new ones so the lines are being blurred government and media are blurring the lines they're politicizing the lines everything's becoming political 
And this is causing extreme emotional reaction, even for the most basic questions. So let's take a step back. Let's look at this from the lens of intuitive awareness, okay? So intuitive awareness is the ability to observe your thoughts and beliefs without judgment. It's essentially the counterpart to ego, right? And if you're judging or victimizing yourself, when you're observing your mind, observing the way you think, then you're an ego. When you are able to detach emotion and experience uh, and belief from observing, how you think and behave, you are witnessing your life through intuitive awareness. This is the practice. From this place, you can witness and observe how you yourself have been conditioned to think, believe, and behave, and then discern whether or not that way of being is actually serving you. All right. Now, the biggest example of culture conditioning that is happening in this moment, in this exact moment, is the dehumanizing of human beings. So what does dehumanizing mean? It means that people are justifying depriving a person or group of people of positive human qualities. This occurs in othering, in language such as them or those people. All right, if we were referring to um, anyone in the LGBTQ or a different race as those people, we would be discriminating and being racist. This, however, in the cultural conditioning that is happening in this moment, those things are not applied. We are justified, okay, in depriving people of positive human qualities. And now, like right now, happening all over the world, people are being classified as, as pure and unpure. This is dehumanizing. All right, I'm gonna say it straight up. If you're vaccinated, regardless of how you think politically and what you're for and what you're against, you have probably felt or feel right now like you've done the right thing, like you are cleaner or pure or safer you're a safe person uh, uh, as opposed to someone who has not been vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you have probably felt or still feel in one way or another that you are, are bad or unclean or, or unpure. You are sort of now second class, <laughs> in other words. So be honest with yourself. Like, even if it's a fleeting thought, but this is how, and, and some people are like standing the truth, like, yes, I am pure and you are not pure. Yes, I am safe and you are unsafe. All right. People stand firm on that. And some it's more fleeting, like, Ooh, I don't know what to do with this. Like, yeah, I, I have thought that at one point and maybe my, your opinion has changed. So like, this is hard. It's hard because some unvaccinated people, for example, have even been referred to in, in conversations. And I see it on social media all over the place. I've, I've heard it in conversation. They're being referred to as, as a virus, like a walking virus. They aren't even human anymore. They're now a virus. So people are being called sheep. That's not a human. If you call someone a sheep, you are dehumanizing them. Vermin a bug to be squashed, uh, um, uh, uh, like uh, what was the term that Trudeau, our, our prime minister of Canada, he referred to Canadians as, um, should we tolerate those people? 
Should we be tolerating those people? They have a um, an unsafe, I, I'm quoting this wrong, maybe I shouldn't quote it, but like an uh, intolerable um, belief system. That that is that is very alarming. That is very alarming um, language, and it's very scary. It is. It's actually fucked up social conditioning, and I'm scared because of this, because of how justified people are in the dehumanizing of another person, of a human being. And this is all because of one singular choice. And it's scary because a person is not a virus. They are not a sheep or a bug. They are a human being. No human is above another, ever. Yet, we hear this message over and over and over in subtle ways and and harsh ways. It's very sophisticated narratives here, dialogue, this cultural conditioning. It's very sophisticated. Words are used strategically and timely for the general population just to start to believe them. We hear it from people we trust and media that we trust and governments we've voted for and that we've blindly trusted them. We believe what they say to be true, whether it's true or not. And our beliefs are formed. Whether, you know, because we've heard things so many times, whether we agree with them or not, there is some sense of like truth to them all of a sudden because we've like heard it over and over again. Think about it this way. Okay, if the world started to call, I don't know, the sky purple, if the world started to call the sky purple, at first you would think that the world was ridiculous, that it's insane. It's not purple, it's blue. The sky is clearly blue, this is blue. Purple is to be ridiculous. However, if you were to hear it enough, see it become adapted in movies, that narrative, like the weather, the weather news purple, and it's a purple sky today, the birds, and we started to use the word purple in television, in the news, on the radio. Our top environmentalists were, were evaluating the shades of purple, of the sky, calling new shades of purple around the world, the governments, again, news networks. After enough time and repetition, you would start to maybe call the sky purple. You might even see it as purple. Like we're talking over long periods of time, like hell, let's say two years of constantly hearing that the sky is purple. If someone told you that it was blue, you might even disagree with them, all right? You, you might even call them crazy. Everyone says it's purple, so it must be purple. This is how, <laughs> I know this sounds like a, a crazy example, but this is like, we would never have dreamt to think or believe the things that we do now two years ago. Nah, that's never, that will never happen. No, this, like, I would never hate my best friend or my neighbor or my family member. But, but however, think about the world as a collective. You've been conditioned to believe this way. And the same type of conditioning, and this is where my practice is primarily focused on. So when clients come into my coaching, when I'm one-on-one -on -one coaching with people, generally, they believe that they're fat. 
which is a very sophisticated dialogue from diet culture. That is a diet culture narrative that they have heard over and over and over and over again. And their sense of belonging is threatened because they might have gained weight. Okay. And, um, or, or people feel unworthy of love because of the environment in which they have grown up in when someone telling them over and over and over again, holding, um, their worth in action. Okay. So, so people look for love outside of themselves because they've been conditioned to believe that that is what love is. You know, or maybe someone feels like they're stupid or that their opinions or their thoughts don't matter or that they don't matter. All right. These are all ways in which we've been conditioned in life. It's no different. I see it over and over again. This is the practice. I am observing cultural conditioning in every person. All right. You don't belong or feel like you belong to the group that is controlling the narrative. So you must be bad. And if you're able to uh, to zoom out a little bit, you'll begin to understand how this all works. One of my favorite moments within my coaching practice is the moment that a person can zoom out enough, detach, get far enough away from what's happening to see that the way that they think about their lives and the opinions they have, the, the, the beliefs that they have formed around certain situations have been programmed into them, that they have been conditioned to think and believe in this way. It's a beautiful moment that, you know, it begins with such a glimpse. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a glimpse and then it's over. All right. It's, it's, it's sometimes just like the tiniest little window crack where you can breathe in the fresh air. Sometimes it's, it's a massive wake up call, a wake up feeling where you like you're the container in which you've lived your life has broken open and you're like, I can never go back into that box ever. I now get it. I see it. All right. And that, that, that container is being broken all over the place. One of the biggest fracturing of today's narrative is like where I live anyways, was the, the lockdowns right, uh, right before Christmas. Uh, so December, 2021, we've all been told that we, we, we need to be vaccinated. We have a 90% vaccination. We are going to get back to normal and then things lock down. So all of a sudden the, the, it, that fractured, that, fractured the narrative. There was so much dissonance that we no longer can believe the things that we believed. We were told to believe. Now that has been broken open. All right. So from that place of that glimpse, the it, you will achieve a sense of freedom I think it's like, it's when you break free from that conditioning, it's so powerful. It, it, it can also feel a little bit lonely because then you're like, well, I'm the only one that, that can see this. <laughs> What's wrong with people? <laughs> how am I the only one that can see this? You know, like that's kind of how it feels at one point, but then it gets lonely because no one will agree with you. So your sense of belonging again is threatened, but it's powerful because you can also see the conditioning in others. And you know that what's happening, what they are saying, how they are behaving is not personal. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. 
It's not personal. So the opposite of intuitive awareness, <laughs> this is the opposite of what I teach. The opposite of intuitive awareness is this new phenomena called cancel culture. All right. Have you canceled anyone in your life recently? Do you believe in cancel culture? Is it easier for you to just cancel someone than to deal with them or have to listen to them? Think about that. Cancer culture is the death of discernment. It's a survival mechanism that we've all adopted, myself included, like to cope with the inability to detach from our conditioning. Cancel culture is the opposite of intellectual diversity. So the ability to learn about and accept diverse perspective. And I'm personally afraid of cancel culture as well. So let's get into that a little bit. Why would you cancel someone? Delete them. End all discussion. <laughs> so again, like who's canceled someone? Who has been canceled? Right? Either way, I want to assure you that this isn't your fault. Cancel culture is just that. It's a culture. It's a way of thinking. It's an accepted culture right now. You cancel a person because your sense of belonging is so threatened and there's no um, management of those emotions. So uh, like a, a person doesn't think like you. Bye. See you later. So let me ask you this. Why can you only be at the, t why can a person only be at the table if they think a certain way, right? How has that belief been conditioned into you? Why can a person only be at the table if they speak a certain way, even their income level or class or vaccination status, you know, that's all involved in this giant mess now. And I want to, bring in a little bit of a personal story here because um, recently I was canceled by a very close friend of over 30 years. And it's been a very painful experience to be canceled. It's, it's painful to cancel someone as well on many levels. Um, and I'm, I'll talk about that in a second, but like to be canceled, to feel like you are being canceled or pushed away or denied. This, this actually happened over the summer. I said something that I took responsibility for saying, and it triggered an emotional response in my friend beyond her ability to cope. And because cancel culture has been normalized, instead of approaching the discomfort that she felt with compassion for the situation or for the friendship or for herself, she decided to end the relationship. And she felt justified in her decision to not talk about what happened or to put context behind what happened or just talk or to have empathize with another person. So this has been really, really hard because, of course, I 1000% did not mean to hurt her. I recognize that I did. And I also feel as though what I said was taken out of context and I was never given the opportunity to discuss that context and, and I felt horrified because of that and was filled with so much remorse and guilt and all sorts of childhood wounds of abandonment and acceptance. Those were touched. 
And it was a really painful experience. To be canceled is not nice. It's not a good feeling. I, I get it. And it took me many weeks of self-reflection and intuitive awareness to forgive myself and to forgive her, to detach from the experience. And I acknowledge her pain and her conditioned response. She didn't want to cancel me because of me. Okay, it was her wounds that were touched that allowed this situation to unfold. Cancel culture is the death of discernment. It's the death of critical thinking. How are you supposed to think critically when your beliefs or way of thinking are not challenged? Or your opinion or your ideas are not challenged? You can't. You can't think critically. You are surrounding yourself with people who only think like you. This is your cultural bubble. Right? You're surrounding yourself with people who only behave like you, who choose like you, who think like you. So how can you think critically when there's no other and you punish the people who who don't think like you? All right? The absolutely wonderful and brilliant Africa Brooke, if you don't follow her on Instagram, follow her. I love her. I'm becoming obsessed with her. I love her language. I love how she uh, speaks about all of this from just such a non-political uh, perspective, just as a human to human. She calls this um, culture bubble, she calls it uh, an echo chamber, where your thoughts and beliefs are just echoed back to you constantly, where everyone agrees on the same thing, everyone says the same shit. It's always a yes. People feel feel scared to voice a different opinion. Has anyone felt like that? Listening here, you're scared to say what you think, all right? If you have felt that way, you are in an echo chamber, right? You are being conditioned to, to silence your voice. And, and we're not even talking about extremes here. We're talking about basic conversation. And as Africa uh, Brooke continues to explain, she says, it presents itself in the most basic fucking ways. <laughs> yeah, I love her. <laughs> she calls it collective sabotage and, and not cancel culture. Like she calls cancel culture collective sabotage. Collective sabotage is actually a term she coined because she was trying to understand what the fuck is actually going on. Because cancel culture is a collective self sabotage. It's a group effort. It's a group effort of getting in the way of your own interests. It's a group effort of denying reality, denying what's actually happening around you because you can't think outside. You can't think critically, right? You're in an echo chamber again with people who are just echoing back the same shit over and over again. You can't, critical thinking is dead. So when you cancel a person, you are denying their reality and yours, really, period, hard stop. And that is very scary. I'm gonna quote Africa Burke one more time because she said it better than I could ever say. Let me just find this here. She said that cancel culture is antisocial behavior that is being rewarded. 
cyberbullying is being rewarded in the name of social justice. And it is the complete denial of reality that is scary. And I have to agree. And I admitted myself, I've, I've felt the urge to cancel people. I've recently been cyberbullied because of my opinion and my belief. It was absolutely horrendous what happened. I have a public stance. I've talked about it here many times. I have a public stance. Uh, I'm, uh, I am against lockdowns. Now, you could call me anti-lockdown. That's like a lot of uh, the box that people put me in. I'm against lockdowns. I don't think lockdowns were necessary. Um, I mean, at first I did, but as things unfolded and new scientific evidence was presented, I changed my mind. And I don't believe lockdowns are are healthy, okay? That's my opinion. It doesn't make me right, it doesn't make me wrong. You know, um, I don't believe that mandates are necessary anymore. And because of these beliefs, I've been called all sorts of names like murderer, bigot, fucking ignorant bitch. And most recently, this was nice, I was called a white supremacist and a Nazi because I don't feel as though lockdowns are necessary moving forward. This is an endemic now. That's what I believe. We are not in a pandemic. We need to learn to live with this. All right, so I was called those horrible, horrible nasty names. I was put into a horrible box, all of which is horrendously untrue. And these things have been said to me by smart, intellectual people. Some are even family members, all right? Because because of my belief, the current culture is allowing others to cyberbully all right? Justifiably. They are justified. They think that they are justified by calling me these things. All right? It's allowing others to put me in a box and slam the lid and deny me as a human. Now, listening to this, because I'm speaking out loud, I have goosebumps. It's it like it's bringing up some emotion. <laughs> of course, I will need to downregulate here and come back into my body and breathe and be and remind myself of my humanity and and take care of myself and love myself, and be there for myself and support myself in ways that I know are filling my soul with love and community and joy. But can you see what's happening from a different perspective a little bit? Can you see how people are being conditioned or how you have been conditioned? And and it doesn't I'm not making one way right or wrong. I'm just I want to ask you the question is denying people, calling them names, dehumanizing them right? Is using fear to drive people into denying reality right? Is canceling critical thinking right? I don't believe it is. I think it is dangerous and it's scary. So what do we do? What do we do? Oh my God, this is a problem I I don't know. 
I don't know if I can solve it alone. I'm not going to attempt to solve it alone. I don't know what to do a lot of the time. I don't know what to do. So I will do what I believe is best for me. You know the saying, um, you don't need to change the world, you need to change yourself. One, one person at a time, love will always win. These things are still true. These things are still so powerful, but we can't relate to them in the context of the world because we're just so afraid. And we've put our belief and our trust into institutions that aren't consistent, (laughs) that are changing. The dissonance is real. When you were told that you are going to save the world by getting a medical intervention and then the world is not saved and it's actually a more dangerous place and it's scarier. That is, that is, those are, those are two very different narratives. It's hard. It's hard to trust. It's hard to know who to turn to for guidance. And the one person that we avoid the most is ourselves. Like, I will do my best to continue to think critically, to hold space for other opinions, to have discussion, to put distance between myself and the mainstream media. I'm sorry. I do not think that they inspire healthy debate or discussion or love. There's very much a separate, they're separating the world into classes, into the right and the wrong, all right? I want to question, I will continue to question experts. I don't believe everything I hear. How can I? To question the science, that is what science is. Science isn't a person. Science isn't a one size fits all narrative. Science is debating, it is challenging, it is questioning, it is creating uh, new scenarios and challenging constantly. Science evolves constantly. You know, at one time (laughs) we thought the world was flat, you know? At one, one point we didn't know stars were planets. You know, like science is constantly evolving. Those are terrible, those are terrible examples. <laughs> Thinking on the fly, sometimes that happens to me. But you know, science is to be questioned. And of course, to question the politics and the language that politicians are using to divide us. The world has forgotten that the right wing and the left wing belong to the same bird. We all need each other to thrive. Othering is not okay. It wasn't okay before COVID. It's not okay now. Fearing someone, removing rights, taking away their ability to live, to make money, to provide for their family is not right, right? We have just become conditioned to believe that it's okay. So this is a fucking mess (laughs) that you and I are all part of. We are part of the collective. We are part of this mess. Whether you want to believe that or not, you are part of this collective. No one's guilty by association. Nobody is a virus. Nobody is wrong. We are all trying to do what's best with the information and support and sense of belonging that we have and that we feel. Nobody 
should have to abandon their authenticity to belong to society. Nobody. So I challenge you to ask yourself how you're contributing to the separation, to togethering of the people in your life. And hold yourself accountable to think critically, to turn off the noise pollution that is putting you in a binary thought process. Question everything, everyone. Love yourself deeper. Choose love over fear. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I will give you bonus points for leaving a written review. If you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. <laughs>